0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to session number eight. <clears throat> there we go. You were louder than I was, so <laughs> I was going to let you win. Welcome to session number eight, and I'm really thankful that you guys are hanging in there with me through these, and uh, we've got ten total, two more after tonight, and um, Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. And you told us that in advance so that uh, we would know how to escape that which is going to occur before they disappear. So Lord, that we give you our thanks for revealing the future of the world and mankind. And more importantly than that, you gave us a way out. You gave us Your only Son, that He would redeem us from the grave, He would save us from the coming horror of a tribulation here on the earth or from hell itself, the eternal um, wrath of God. So we thank You for Your Son who has rescued us from the coming darkness. And we, we worship You, we give You our adoration and praise, and we ask tonight simply this, that You would open our minds to understand the Scriptures. That we might know You, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. Stand before the Son of Man. Last week, we finished with the dragon and the woman and Satan being cast down to the earth. The dragon, the woman's given birth to the child, and then Satan is cast down to the earth. Those, those three scenes. Tonight, the revelation introduces what we call the unholy trinity. The holy trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But there is an unholy, counterfeit trinity. And tonight you'll see who they are. Let's begin with the beast that comes out of the sea. He's got several names. We know him mostly as the Antichrist. And he'll be revealed tonight by the dragon, who has multiple names. We know him as Satan. So let's go to Revelation 12, 18. Just one verse in chapter 12. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. So he appears in the scene. The dragon is Satan himself. Now he's been operating on the outside, but now he's, he's, he's coming to facilitate a series of events, a transaction of sorts. Here it comes. Now we jump down to Revelation 13:1. And then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that that blasphemed God. The beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And here comes the transaction. And the dragon, Satan, gave the beast, the Antichrist, and the dragon gave the beast his own power. Y'all listen? This This is why the dragon has come. He gave the beast his own power and his throne and his authority. So does he have a throne? Does he have power? Does he have authority? Yes, he does. Remember he's the this whole thing that started the tribulation was Jesus taking the scroll from the Father. So so gaining authority from the Father, who's the Father taking it away from to give it to Jesus? He's taking it away from Satan to give it to Jesus. But it hasn't it hasn't taken place yet, not yet. So now the dragon Satan <clears throat> is going to He's going to give over temporary power, dominion, and control over to a beast. He's a man, a beast. Verse 3, And I saw one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery. But the fatal wound was healed. Now we're going to get into that in a little while. What makes the unholy trinity even more real is it looks like this beast will experience uh, a, like a resurrection. He, he has a mortal wound that he lives. You know, it's, in every one of these situations, they, they, they try to mirror the, the, the real God and the real Son and the real Spirit, but, but they're not. But it looks like to some people they are. So notice that this antichrist, one of his heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. So what's the result of him recovering from a fatal wound? The whole world marveled at this miracle. So this beast is going to survive something that looks like he's dead. Well, that's what Jesus did, right? Except he was dead and he did survive. And gave, um, the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon. Now we're talking about Satan again. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power, but they also worshipped the beast. So they're worshipping both of them, right? Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed. Who's they? The people of the world during the tribulation. Who is this? You're awesome. Who's as great as the beast who was able to fight against him? And then the beast was, and I want you to notice the wording. He was allowed to. So who's allowing him? Who's allowing him to do this stuff? He was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. There's that three and a half years again. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, that is, those who live in heaven. He was allowed to. Ultimately, as we go through all of this tonight, you need to understand one overriding truth who's in charge? God's in charge. He's letting the rope out. The leash has been released. There's a certain series of events that are going to take place. But do not be deceived. There is one power and authority. And I'm going to show you in a minute. Because at the end of all of this, he snatches it all back. So he's letting them out, but he's going to snatch it all back at the end. I'm talking about he, God. So we identified the dragon as Satan in our past session. He's wanting to destroy the woman's child. I hope you were here and you're staying up. That's Satan trying to, to take the seed of woman that's going to crush the serpent's head. Israel is going to give birth to the Christ, the Messiah. And Satan thinks, if I can stop that, I can stop my the woman's seed, Genesis 3, from crushing the serpent's head, but he won't be able to do it. The dragon is about to raise up the beast. So Satan is going to raise up an earthly king, a king that will reign during the tribulation. The, listen, I don't know why I always thought this, this is the best picture. The kingdom of the Antichrist is the tribulation. It is, the, it's his kingdom. That's what his kingdom would look like. His kingdom will look like the tribulation because his kingdom is the tribulation. He'll begin a reign on the earth. Satan will begin a reign on the earth through a man, but his power, the man's power comes from the dragon himself. The beast comes up out of the sea, which is probably a reference to coming out of the nations, not necessarily coming out of the water. No one knows for sure. Uh, You know, we hear the sea of humanity. So he's, he's coming out of the nations. He's coming out of the human population. He's a man. The dragon, Satan, gives this beast his own power, throne, and great authority. But God gave the ultimate throne to Jesus. In fact, if you go back and look at the the revelation where he hands him the scroll, that really is God's decision to take everything away from Satan and give it to Jesus. Because if you look at that scene when John starts to weep for there was no one worthy to open the scroll, and he says No worthy were, in heaven or on, and on earth or under the earth. Satan would be somewhere inside of that circle and he is not worthy. You're not gonna get the dominion. You're not gonna get the scroll. God's already decided there was only one. Huh? One. And that's his son. But, but he hasn't, but he hasn't exercised that authority, not yet. Um, He gave his own power, his throne and authority, but God still retains ultimate authority. Um, So here's a question I, I need to get out. Where do idols get their authority? Where do false gods get their authority? I mean, where does Satan get his authority? Where does his authority come from? So ultimately, all of it belongs to God. Ultimately, everything is his. So um, when you see Satan having authority and handing it to the Antichrist during the tribulation, understand that what he's handing to the beast, he actually received for some reason from God. And when you read in the Old Testament these false gods, like Moloch, or Baal, or he was, Jesus referred to them as Beelzebub, or uh, these different idols, or um, false gods, where, where, where's their power and authority coming from? These demonic realms, where are they coming from? Ultimately, and you really need to get this before we can move on, ultimately you've got to understand that there's a single source of all power, dominion, and authority. These guys don't go out and create their own power, dominion, and authority. To believe they did, you would believe that they created themselves. And they didn't, because they can't. They are not the creator. There's only one who is the creator. This beast, like the dragon, will persecute and pursue the saints of the Most High and if the church has already departed from the earth, and I believe they have at this point, this is a, revel- uh, a, a reference to tribulation saints and Jews. So when, when, he, when this beast comes to power, he's coming after some people. He, he's not just showing up. He's, he's hunting people. He's coming after anyone whose allegiance is to Christ. He, you're now marked as his enemy. So, I want to do something. I want to go back to the book of Daniel and show you just how close Daniel, who's 500 and something years before Christ, is to to the revelation, which is like 90 years after, you know, the time of Jesus. So, how, how close they are to each other. So, let's go to Daniel 7, 21. Notice the similarity. As I watch this horn, the horn is the Antichrist was waging war against God's holy people. I believe that specifically is Israel, the Jewish people. He's waging war against um, God's holy people, and he's winning. (laughs) He's winning. He's actually killing the Jews during the tribulation. Until the ancient one, the Most High, this is God the Father, came and judged in favor of his holy people. And then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom, and I inserted the millennial kingdom of Christ. So there's this war that's raging, and, and Satan's winning. Do you understand? He has this power, and he's winning, and he's going after the Jewish people. It's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, we talked last week, only a third of Israel will be saved. Two-thirds will be cut off and die. A third will be saved. We call it the remnant. But the fact is, there's a war, and I want you to notice something. Then the, at that last sentence, then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. What happens immediately following the seven-year tribulation? In in God's order, prophetic timeline, what follows the tribulation? Jesus comes, he kills the Antichrist, he kills the false prophet, And he puts Satan in prison, and he goes into Jerusalem and sets up a kingdom. And what did it say? Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. That's in Daniel. To take over the kingdom. But there's there's a little horned beast that's got the kingdom, but the ancient of day shows up. And it's over. The beast is waging war. He's in charge of almost everything, including commerce, buying, selling. In the tribulation, you will either bow to this beast or you will die. There's one big problem with that bowing to the beast idea. If you bow to the beast, you are forever lost in hell, along with the beast and the dragon. Now, let me make something clear. If you bow to the beast, if you take his mark, if you... Worship the beast. Take the mark. It's over. You cannot recover. You cannot recover. You have sold your soul. You you are bound forever in hell. You will join the dragon in hell. Revelation 13, 7. And the beast was allowed to wage war. Notice how close that is to Daniel. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people. That's exactly what Daniel said. And conquer them. That's exactly what Daniel said. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. What's it tell you? This is a worldwide event. This is not localized. You're thinking this will stay in the Middle East and you'll be safe over here in Anderson County? You'd be wrong. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names are not, not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. You want your name in that book. Those are the ones who belong to the lamb. If your name is not in that book, you belong to another power. You belong to the world. And if you belong to the world, who do you really belong to? The one who's in charge of the world. Right now. Satan. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. What, what do you think that means? Why does he stick in the middle of this, this summary Anyone destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword." What what do you think it means? What he means is there's a point of no return. There's a point that when things get so far, you can't turn it around. You won't be able to back up and get out of it. If you're destined for prison, you're going to prison. No matter what happens, you're not going to change directions. There's a point uh, that's of no return. And And then what does he say about that? This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Now, if the church is gone when this happens, and I believe that church is, tribulation saints and Jews still remain on the earth. And God's word to them is God's holy people must endure persecution, which means if the Antichrist finds you, He's probably going to kill you. He's going to cut you off from commerce, try to starve you to death. He's trying to do all these things to get you to what? Come over and bow down to Him. But if you come over and bow down to Him, your soul's been lost. Then you've lost everything. That last sentence needs to apply to us right now. It needs to apply to Christians today and to any of God's holy people during the tribulation as well. We, the church... We must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. If the Lord tarries, the church is going to severe, uh, experience severe opposition in America. We're going to experience opposition like Americans have never known. So who is like the beast? That's what the world is proclaiming. He has power. He has signs. He has wonders. He's amazing, and it looks like he survived a mortal wound. (gasps) It looked like he's raised from the dead. Who's like the beast? The unholy trinity, Satan or the dragon. He's the false God. The antichrist is the false Christ, and the false prophet, we're going to meet him in a minute, he is the false Holy Spirit. So, where did the beast get his power? Is he the origin of power and authority? No, no. He gets his power from the dragon, but that begs the second question. Where does the dragon get his power? Where does the dragon get his authority? He obviously handed it over to the beast, to the antichrist. So here comes the question. What is the truth about the origin of power? Where does Satan get his power? Where does the Antichrist get his power? Where do demons get their power? Where do false gods get their power? Who is the creator and the source of life and power and dominion and authority? Who? Where? There's one place. Only one. So which power is true and which power is counterfeit? Because the reason I say that, because what's happening in the tribulation? Who is like the beast? Is he amazing or what? He has got incredible power. But the problem is, it's not not real. He's not the source of it. He's just gotten the power from Satan. And the time clock is ticking down to where all of that's going to disappear. But they don't know it. So there's a deception. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2.9. This man, and he's the beast, will come to do the work of Satan. How will he do the work of Satan? He's a man, okay? This man, this man, the Antichrist, he will come to do the work of Satan. But how will he pull it off? With counterfeit power. There you go. And counterfeit signs and counterfeit miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception. Why does he have to deceive? If he's, who's like the beast? Why do you got to deceive people? Because it's a lie. He's acting like he's God, but he's not. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth. And I'm going to hold it up. And the truth would have saved them because the truth told you about him in advance. God will cause them to be greatly deceived. And they'll believe these lies. And then they'll be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. What lies? What truth? Here it comes. Neither the dragon nor the beast can give life or create life. And here's maybe the bigger, even bigger than that. The dragon and the beast, they both have expiration dates. They have expiration dates. They're going to expire. And if you hook yourself in your life to someone who has an expiration date, you're going to experience an expiration date. But if you hook yourself to one that has no beginning and no end that would be really different they can take life this beast what's he doing on earth during the tribulation he's taking people's lives he's killing people but they cannot give life remember when the two witnesses lay in the street for three days and all the world under the deception of the dragon and the beast were celebrating like it was christmas What happened to end their celebration? You remember the story? Life happened. So they're all having this party because these two witnesses that have brought all this trouble to the earth are finally gone, and I'm glad they're gone. And then terror happens, why? Because life happened as the two witnesses began to breathe the breath of life and were raptured into heaven. Horror came upon the earth when the people of the world realized what? A single thing. Life doesn't belong to the dragon, and life doesn't belong to the beast. But it was too late. Because if the beast and the dragon controlled life, they would have never let those two witnesses rise. So what it showed was there's a power that's way higher than who is like the beast. And there's a power way higher than the dragon who gave the beast his authority. But by the time they figured it out, it was too late. Someone said, once said this about the Antichrist. Take all the sins of the world and press them into one human mold, and out will come the man of lawlessness, the ultimate man of sin, filled with the origin of sin himself. Hatred toward God, and hatred toward God's people. Ultimately, that's his description. He hates God. He blasphemes God. And he hates anybody who's connected to God. He hates them. And what does God have planned for this man of lawlessness? The Antichrist? The beast from the sea? What about the dragon? I told you they have expiration dates. What is, and, and you know, and, and you have to believe Satan can read... That he has to know too. That he has to know that there's an expiration date. In fact, that scripture from Revelation is what? Woe to you inhabitants of the earth, for Satan has been cast down to you, and he is filled with rage, for he knows his days are short. So he knows. He knows. What does God have planned? Jesus is going to kill the beast, the Antichrist, that comes out of the sea. He's going to take his life away from him. And and I'm afraid from a human perspective, you hear me read that sentence and you still don't get what that really means. He's going to expire him in his current form, but he will still have existence. But his current form will expire. Um, His power and dominion will expire. They will run out. So you think when Jesus kills him, you almost have this idea that it'll be a fade to black non-existence. Well, that would be the best option if you were him, but that's not how this is going to work. Humans, you got to understand, that's not how this is going to work. Second um, Thessalonians 2.8, it's the summary of what happens at the end of the tribulation. Then the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will be revealed, but the Lord will kill him with the breath of his mouth. And destroy him by the splendor of his coming. The beast will have a temporary reign in a temporary kingdom. All in all, it's going to last about seven years. And all of that will end when he meets the eternal king. Jesus is going to kill him. But I want you to listen carefully to what that really means. I need for you to understand that we're not talking about some fade to black unconsciousness in the demonic realm, no, no, no. Jesus will destroy the beast, how? By the breath of his mouth. He doesn't need some kind of a mortar rocket or some kind of a heavy M60 or maybe a tank or a, you know, a rocket or something. What's the breath of his mouth? His word. His word. He will speak a word. Who's got the power? And what was the world saying right before this happened? Who is like the beast? He's the man. Right? Bell down to him. He's the man. And Jesus will speak a word. He will, Jesus will come from heaven at the end of the seven years. And he will speak a word. That's all it takes. That's how Paul describes it. Just speak a word. So let's meet the false prophet, not like really like get him in the room with us, but let's read Revelation 13, 11. And then I saw another beast come out of the earth. The first one was out of the sea, right? And this one, he had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Another beast, but this one comes up out of the earth versus the one who comes up out of the sea. Notice the difference. This beast only has one head. The Antichrist beast has seven heads. Interesting. This beast only has two horns. The Antichrist beast has ten horns. This beast doesn't have any crowns, but the Antichrist, he's got ten crowns. But this beast, this beast has a unique voice. He speaks with the voice of the dragon. Interesting. He speaks with the voice of the dragon, almost like he's going around the man to get the voice of the dragon who gave the man his authority. The beast that comes up out of the earth is commonly known as the false prophet. Like the earlier beast, the Antichrist, he is a man. He's like us but a man filled with the evil power of darkness. There are three of them. The dragon, the beast from the sea, and the beast from the earth. The dragon is Satan. The beast out of the sea is the Antichrist, a man, a man filled with the power of Satan. And now we have this third character. But this second beast power is different than the first beast power. Really need to catch this. Verse eleven, I saw another beast, and he, 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 I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of the dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. Let that sink in. He's going to exercise. You've got the antichrist, and you've got this false prophet, and the false prophet is going to exercise the authority of the Antichrist. In other words, the Antichrist is going to facilitate a lot of his power through the false prophet. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required- who's requiring it? Who are we talking about now? Now we're talking about the false prophet. The false prophet required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, to worship the Antichrist. So the false prophet in the tribulation is going to be the enforcer that makes the world bow down to the Antichrist. And notice how it describes the Antichrist. Worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose fatal wound had been healed. There it is again. He's... He's recovered from a death experience. This beast, this false prophet, speaks with the voice of the dragon. But he exercises the authority of the Antichrist. Can you see the unholy trinity? The dragon thinks he is God and wants to be God. And he is not a man. He is Satan. Think about it. God is not a man. Listen, God the Father. God the Father is not a man. He is not a man. So this dragon, what does he do? He's not a man, but he thinks he wants to be God. So he's the false God. The Antichrist is a man filled with the spirit of Satan and tries to take the throne of God in Jerusalem, which belongs to the true King Jesus. And by the way, Jesus is a man. So the Antichrist is also a man. See the unholy trinity developing where they want to be? They want to be who they're not. And the false prophet works under the authority of the Antichrist like the Holy Spirit works under the authority of Christ. Do you see it? Satan is not a creator, so he must counterfeit and deceive. He, the dragon, is the head of the counterfeit and unholy trinity. But know this, they cannot give life. They are counterfeits. They are imposters. They are deceivers. And unless they can deceive you, they cannot win over you. The beast that comes up out of the earth is called the false prophet. Three times in Revelation, he's referred to as the false prophet. I want to read all three of them to you. Let's go to Revelation 16:13, and I saw three evil spirits that look like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on the great day of God the Almighty. So all three of them are described, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And what's coming out of these three characters? It looks like frogs, but it's described as demonic spirits. What are the demonic spirits coming out of them to do? The demonic spirits are going to go to the kings and the kingdoms of the earth to lead them in the rebellion against Jesus when he comes, the great final battle. Revelation 19:19, 19, 19. and then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast, the Antichrist, was captured. Who, who's the one sitting on his horse with the army? That's the return of Christ. Let me go back and do that again. I saw the beast and the kings of all the world. Remember those demonic spirits that came out, looked like frogs, that were going to go convince these kingdoms to come fight against Jesus? Well, here it comes. I saw the beast and all the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. That's Jesus. And the beast, who's the Antichrist, was captured, and with him the false prophet. So who's capturing them? and then the false prophet of so the beast and the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and worshiped his his statue both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive notice the word alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur who captured them the one on the horse With his army. One more. Revelation 20 verse 10. And then the devil who had deceived them. All these words. You see how deceived? How many times it comes up in here? And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and joining the false prophet. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So much for a fade to black unconsciousness. The unholy trinity spends its time together in the tribulation, and they will also spend their time together in hell for eternity. The only difference is what? Satan will not come to hell with the beast and the false prophet until after the 1,000-year reign of Jesus on the earth, 1,000 years later. Why? I don't know. (laughs) If I had anything to do with it, it wouldn't be a thousand years later. Okay. This beast that comes out of the earth is the false prophet. Think about that name and compare it to the Holy Spirit. The false prophet, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. But the false prophet reveals a false Jesus. The Antichrist. Convincing people to take the mark and worship the statue. That's his role in the tribulation. He's going to convince people this is to your best interest, that this will be your salvation. You'll have to do this to survive. But in reality, if you do this, you are lost. John told us that the Antichrist is coming. In my first John series I'm doing on Sunday mornings, it's very clear John said the Antichrist is coming and the spirit of Antichrist is already here. But understand the spirit of Antichrist has been working on the, on the earth as long as Christ since the time of Christ himself in the church age. John tells us that the false prophet- and I want you to know he's a real person. The beast that comes out of the earth is coming, but the spirit of Antichrist and false prophets are already working on the earth today. Church, this is what you need to understand. We can read this about the tribulation and think, wow, there's a false prophet who's going to come and he's going to convince people to take the mark and they're going to be damned for all eternity. Really? It's already happening. It's already happening. It's happening right now. You think this is a future event? It is a future event, but it's also happening right now. There's false prophets out there right now that are convincing people that you don't have to bow to God. You can bow to all the idols and false gods of this world, and you don't realize that you're going to be condemned. That to do that, you you're sold your soul. So we we read this, and sometimes I'm afraid we read the tribulation, and you don't understand that John said what? In his letter, he said, the antichrist is coming, but the spirit of antichrist is already here now. He's doing now what he's going to do then. He's already doing it. And if you fall victim to him, he'll eat you now. You don't have to wait for him to eat you later, he'll get you now. There is a singular antichrist coming, yes. And there is a singular false prophet coming. Yes, it's true. But the spirit of evil that they will work under is already here. That may only be the biggest thing tonight. You know, think, boy, I want to escape these coming horrors. But you need to understand, he's working right now. He's doing it right now. And what's he doing in the—here's the, the difference, okay? There is a difference. In the tribulation, he's, he's specifically convincing people to take the mark of the beast and worship a statue or an image. It's, and I'm going to show you. There's a pretty specific—now, obviously, there's more than that. You, you, you can't do commerce. You can't buy. You can't sell. You know, you're going to be shut off from, from buying and selling, but, but he's got a role, okay? If you, because if you'll, if you bow to the, the statue, take the mark, uh, you can have the credit card that lets you buy stuff, for example. Um, so let me ask you a question. Right now, this is um, 2022. We know what the last few years have looked like in the world, how 2020 and COVID changed the world. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think it will be hard to get people in the whole world to follow a person in government and take a mark? Do do you really? Because I don't think it would be hard at all. Piece of cake. Do Do you really think it would be hard to get everybody to line up and do something that in face value doesn't make any sense, but you did it because there was some power that told you that this would save you? And everybody just lines up and does it. Do you think that'll be hard? Uh uh. Maybe you disagree with me. If COVID showed me anything, it showed me that in the tribulation, it'd be a piece of cake to get the entire world to line up and do whatever, put whatever on you that He wants to put on you. Because at that point, they'd be like sheep going to slaughter. They don't know. They don't know. Well, what about worshiping the statue? People worship things right now. What's going to be different about the statue? Well, I wouldn't worship a statue. Really? You want this one? You're not going to like this. (laughs) You know what the average church attendance is in America? 50%. That's if you go to church. Which means the average church person attends church services, goes to worship God, 26 times out of 52. Now I'd never worship a statue. Well, tell me what you're worshiping on the other 26. Tell me what you're worshiping on the other 26. No, I wouldn't do it. The false prophet's already here. The spirit of Antichrist is already doing it. And they won't know then and they don't know now. I'll prove it to you. Ready? (laughs) You don't like this one either. (laughs) If you thought Jesus was coming next Thursday, he's coming next Thursday for his bride, would you all be in church Sunday? Yeah, you would. We'd have standing room on it. There wouldn't be room in here. Why? Because there's, because it'd be real, wouldn't it? Now, I got to qualify something. Somebody will watch this video and say that I said Jesus is coming next Thursday. (laughs) Somebody that recently, I'm not going to mention their name. Somebody recently said they were, uh, they may be in here actually. Um. (laughs) Okay, somebody recently said to me, uh, this is when I get in trouble, by the way, uh, they said to me that when they first started checking out Nineveh and they felt like they ought to come here, they went on Facebook and they saw a posting on Facebook that Nineveh was a cult of date setters. A cult of date setters. That's what, well, that's what we, we're, did you know you you're, belong to a cult of date setters? So somebody, that person who said that will probably find that clip and said, "Yeah, I told you, He said he's coming next Thursday." <laughs> well, I hope they're in church Sunday." <laughs> Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 7:15. This is what Jesus said. So let's step back from the tribulation. Beware of false prophets, who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. You can identify them by the fruit that is by the way they act can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or can you get figs from thistles a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, what's the context of that entire section? Beware of false prophets. Look at the fruit. Let me give you an example right now today. The very fact that um, I'm going to say something to the church uh, this Sunday about this amendment number two that's coming up on the ballot in November. The very fact that the state of Kentucky needs to have an amendment number two tells me that the false prophet spirit of Antichrist is very much at work in this country. That we would have to have an amendment. Stating in Kentucky that you do not have a constitutional right to kill your child inside of you We need to put that in the Constitution to keep you from killing your child Really? Jesus says look at the fruit and Here's the proof the fruit Jesus comes to give life Satan comes to kill steal and destroy the abortion industry does the abortion industry give life? No. Does the LBGTQ, whatever else you put in there, does it bring life? No. It cannot reproduce life. It does not reproduce life. That ought to be the look at the fruit. There's no fruit. There is no fruit. There's no life. None of it produces life. We'll disappear as a civilization. There's no life. Beware of false prophets. So, as we go through this series about the tribulation, don't be deceived that all of this false prophet deception is something that's going to happen way down here somewhere after you're gone. You better be paying attention right now. It's happening now. Jesus says they look and sound like harmless sheep, but they're actually vicious wolves. Satan is always operated by deception and false prophets are to Satan what the Holy Spirit is to God. Do you see that? God gave the Holy Spirit in the church age to reveal the truth of the Word, and God gave preachers so that they would proclaim the truth under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul reveals it to the church at Corinth. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom. You you see what that means? The world, mankind, in his own intellect will never find God. Never. Never. It doesn't matter how you try, you will never find God. The world would never know him through human wisdom. He So, so. what did God do? Give up on us? No. So, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Now, I need you to understand that that foolish preaching is under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, how, that's the only way f- preaching matters is if the preaching is under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. So let me go back and read that verse. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It was foolish to the Jews who asked for a sign from heaven. Lord, I'll believe you if you do something in the heaven, right? And it's foolish to the Greeks or the Gentiles who seek human wisdom. Let my intellect find God. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say what? Doesn't make any sense. They say it's nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God. And he is the wisdom of God. Preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit versus preaching in the power of the unholy spirit. There's your difference. One is truth and the other is false. Satan uses false prophets to undo and thwart what God has purposed through the church in these last days, the preaching of the gospel of Christ. I say all of that to ask this question. If the beast from the sea, the Antichrist, is a false king that will rule by deception during the great tribulation, who is the false prophet? Will the false prophet be a religious leader that stands by the side of the Antichrist? Will the false prophet be a religious leader that speaks with the deceiving voice of the dragon and brings together the religion of the world in the absence of the church? The false king will need a religious man to help bring the masses under his authority and his rule. Before I expand the reading on this beast, this false prophet, let me ask. Do we today in the church, in the true church, do we today worship the Holy Spirit? No. We've never been told to worship the Holy Spirit. No. No, we don't. The Holy Spirit leads us to worship Jesus. What's the Holy Spirit's purpose? He points us to Christ. We worship Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us eyes see, ears to hear, a heart to believe, receive, and obey. Then what's he do? Then he focused on Jesus. Focus on him. So the Holy Spirit points us to Christ. We worship the Father who gave us his Son. Remember this as I read this next section from Revelation. That the true Holy Spirit, not the false Holy Spirit, the false prophet, the true Holy Spirit points us to Christ and to know the Son is to know the Father and to know the Father is to know the Son. The Spirit is revealing them to us that we should worship them. Now, here's the false prophet. Verse 11, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb. But he spoke with the voice of the dragon. He exercised the authority of the first beast and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles even making fire flash down to the earth and sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the people who belonged to this world and he ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast. Now listen, you got to get this. So this false prophet now issues this spiritual edict. You have to make a statue. Let's call it an idol. A statue of the first beast. That's the Antichrist who was fatally wounded and came back to life. Our resurrected false Messiah. Let's make a statue. Let's make an idol of him. Who's doing it? The false prophet. He then, the false prophet, then was then permitted to give life to the statue so that the statue could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. Who's doing it? Who's carrying this out? False prophet. The beast, called the false prophet, isn't requiring people to worship him. No, 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 no. He doesn't want them to worship him. But they must worship the first beast. They must worship the Antichrist. I'm convinced that the false prophet in the tribulation will be a religious figure, but his religion will be straight from hell. In the absence of the church, he will bring the world together as if they were as if they will be free to worship independently, but in reality, everyone will eventually be forced to worship the beast, or you will die. The false prophet will use religion, religion to unite the world around the Antichrist with great signs, power that will win them over. Why? Because they will be deceived. I'm going to repeat verse 13 and 14. He did astounding miracles. The false prophet. He did astounding miracles. He made fire flash down to the earth from the sky. Everyone's watching, and they're like, whoa, that's incredible. With all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the Antichrist, he deceived all the people who belonged to the world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and came back to life. The false prophet will receive his power from the Antichrist who has received his power from the dragon. It's all a scam and it's going to work. Look at the contrast. Where did Jesus get his power and where did he get his authority? In Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, Jesus says, My Father, my Father has entrusted everything to me. He acknowledges the true source. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses, chooses to reveal Him. We know that Satan cannot give life. But we read that the false prophet seemingly gives life to a statue that then speaks. Let me stop for a moment to say this. Satan, the dragon, has power. It is given to him by God, but he has power. Jesus himself said this about the coming great tribulation. The time that the dragon will reign on the earth... Through the Antichrist. Jesus says this, Matthew twenty-four, twenty-one. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Great signs and wonders. Jesus said ahead of time it would happen. So let's look at how the false prophet will convince people to follow and worship the antichrist. Let's just start with this. He will call down fire from heaven. Would that work for you? Would that work for you? If you went outside and you saw some guy stand there and said, I'll show you. I'm going to call down fire from heaven, and he calls down fire from heaven, would you bow down and worship him? It's a good question. You know, I've never seen a whole lot of people be able to do that. That's pretty impressive. Would a good firework show make you worship the Antichrist? It would if you didn't know anything about this. Is anybody listening? If you didn't know anything about this, guess what? You probably would think you must be God. Revelation 13 13, he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down from from the sky. While everyone's watching, you see how he's doing it? God did bring fire down from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. But can man do that? This this false prophet's a man. Elijah is the only man listed in the Bible that brought down fire from heaven and he did so against the false prophets at the valley of Megiddo. The prophet Malachi in the last book of the Old Testament announces that God would send another Elijah before the coming of the Messiah. I can't help but wonder if the false prophet—this is just me—I can't help but wonder if the false prophet in the tribulation will try to convince the people he is the Elijah from the Bible in order to convince them to bow down to the Antichrist. If he could tap into the Scriptures and say that he's the one promised in Malachi 4-5. Here's Malachi 4-5. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. What if the false prophet says, and it's just a supposition to see how can they pull this off? What if he says, then I'm the one promised in Malachi. I'm Elijah. Would that work? I admit that I don't know how the false prophet has power to call down fire from heaven unless that power is given to him by God. Is it a magician's illusion? I don't know. But I know that those who fall for this deception will be forever lost. Why? They will receive the mark of the beast and they will worship the statue, the image. Either way, this false prophet will have a power and that power will be convincing to many. He will then require an image, a statue to be built. Now here's where it gets really, really interesting. The origin of all idolatry is to bow down to a false god, to bow down to a substitute god. Revelation 13, 14. Let me read it again. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to the world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded And then came back to life. The statue of the first beast, the Antichrist, a man possessed by Satan. An image, a statue, an idol. Not just a statue, but a statue of one that was fatally wounded and then came back to life again. A resurrected man, statue, idol. Has the Antichrist experienced a resurrection? Can you see the unholy trinity now? Is this the false Elijah revealing the lordship of the false Jesus? Is that how he's going to do it? This image or statue is mentioned four times in chapter 13 and six more times in the rest of the revelation. Why is it so important? Because this is the core of the fall of man. Idolatry. Bowing down to a substitute God. Do you think the first and second commandment, number, the first and, or number one and number two by accident, you shall have no other gods beside me. You shall not bow down to any other god except me. I wonder if the image of the beast. So let me tell you something. A lot of people have an idea what is the abomination that causes desecration. Nobody knows for sure, but let me throw out something to make you think. The, anti- the false prophet is going to erect a statue, an idol. And he's going to put it in Jerusalem. And if you don't bow down to it, you're going to die, right? He's gonna, that's, what he, that's his job. Jesus, in Matthew 24, 15, quotes Daniel about an abomination that will cause desecration or desolation. So let me read it to you. The day is coming, Jesus said... When you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, where? Standing in the holy place. That would be the temple in Jerusalem. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return, even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began." And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen one. Jesus is connecting the tribulation to the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Jesus is connecting it. And I mean, he's, he's putting them together in the same scene. Paul tells the church about it as well. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He, the Antichrist, will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. And he will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Can you put them together? A false idol in the Jerusalem temple would do what? It would defile the temple and make it holy. Is it the sacrilegious object that causes desecration? An idol in the temple. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Revelation is clear that the false prophet will erect such a statue. Is it? Is that it? Fireworks and a statue. Fire coming out of heaven and a statue. What if that fireworks show and statue were on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem? Would that win you over? It will a lot of people. What if the statue began to breathe? Huh? And what if the statue began to speak? What? That's what it says. Verse 15. He was permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. The statue is alive. And the statue commands that everyone worship the Antichrist or die. Would that work for you? The statue speaks. How do they do that? Maybe this is artificial intelligence that many computer people have been working on for years. Would artificial intelligence eliminate the need for God? I can tell you there's a whole lot of people hoping that it does. I mentioned a few weeks ago this word called transhumanism, where people think that they can can take their soul, their mind, and transfer it into some other source and retain their life without God. They've labeled it transhumanism. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a form of demonic possession that brings breath and speech. I I don't know how a statue can breathe and speak. I don't really know how the dragon does it, but I do know what happens next. Verse 16, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand and on their forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one who with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Let me summarize. Everything we need to escape the tribulation has been revealed already in these eight sessions. Everything you need to escape the tribulation has already been revealed. I believe the false prophet will be the world's religious leader directing the world's worship to the antichrist, the false Christ. But he will also be the controller of the world's economy and the distribution of wealth, commerce, and food supplies. The mark of the beast on your right hand or on your forehead, the mark 666. The Apostle John said that if you get it, you're gone. You're done. You will not recover. You have sold your soul to Satan. You will be forever in torment. This mark is the mark of ownership ownership of the dragon, and if the dragon owns you, you're going to get what the dragon gets. It's called hell. All that belongs to this world, all that belong to this world are already gone. So while we do this session, I'm careful to not Leave us thinking that all of this spirit of Antichrist leading people in the darkness is a future event. The spirit of Antichrist is leading people in the darkness today. Right now. And if you don't have Christ, you might as well have 666 on your forehead and on your hand this very second. And if you don't have Christ, you're going to get the same result. There's no difference. So people fret about 666, and I'll ask you the same question. I fear for the American church, I do. When the American church attend- when the ones who attend church attend church half the time, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Who are you worshiping on the other half of your time? Do do you not feel some compelling reason to come and bow down to this one who died to rescue you from these coming horrors? John says wisdom is needed here. When he comes to the 666 and interpreting this, he said wisdom is needed here. I can tell you this, the only wisdom you and I are ever going to find is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ inside this temple. That's it. So tonight, as I've been doing in the last several sessions, um, I'm not doing an invitation now, but I'm doing an invitation. I'm going to stay up front here as long as I need to. And if there's somebody here tonight and the Holy Spirit's telling you, you're, you're, you're playing the game. There's something you've got to do. You've got to straighten out with God. Then, then I'm going to stay up front. I'll be happy to <clears throat> meet with you and talk with you. Just to tell you how, how specific I am on that. That uh, We've got a baptistry back here that's been leaking water. And we've got a trouble with it. We're going to have to have it redone. And they drained it all out and did some work on it. And I said, fill it back up. Somebody might come tonight. And they might need to be baptized. you got fresh water. <laughs> I don't know how much more time we have. I don't. Today's the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this invitation in the church age to come and find life. Come and drink from this living well. Come and find forgiveness and peace with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.